0: Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. I'm so happy to be here. It's been a little bit since I've been at the Tampa campus. But I am so grateful to just be here with you this morning. Um, I'm just going to open up with a word of prayer. Father, I just thank you for this time together. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that's the one thing that remains. Everything else is going to pass away but your word. So I just thank you for it this morning. And I, I pray it encourages us, it empowers us, it enlightens us. It gives us the hope um, that we're looking for. And, Father, whatever people came in here today, Lord... I pray you just meet them right where they are, and we love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, yeah, my name. If, if you don't know me, my name is Tracy Irwin, and I'm the senior prophetic leader at The Resting Place, and just thank you for being here this Sunday. You could be anywhere, and you're here, and I just want to say I'm thankful for that. Um, I wanted to talk to you this morning. One of the things that Lord's just really been speaking to me about is courage. And really him wanting to uh, pour his courage out on us um, in this time. And I just really feel as believers, sometimes it takes courage to stand. Right? Can I get an amen on that? I think sometimes when we're standing for something... Uh, it does require a little courage, and so I, I believe the Lord's going to give that to us today, and I believe by the end of this gathering, you will be leaving here with an understanding of your rich inheritance, um, and just, again, the courage that I believe is required uh, to stay the course. Um, my husband and I, this is my husband in the front row. I wouldn't be here without him. <laughs> um We actually received an inheritance from his grandfather years and years ago. I don't even know if we had children yet, but uh, we received a $10,000 inheritance from him. And at that time, we really didn't know anything about stewarding money or finances or inheritance or any of that. We were just really naive about all those things. And... We we didn't handle it well. Let's put it that way. I don't even remember what we did with it, but it went really fast. And um, you know, no one ever really talked to us about taking care of an inheritance. That was never uh, something that we, you know, had the opportunity to learn about. Um, but also, what's really cool about his family is they left us an inheritance of pioneering. Because, well, I don't know if you've ever heard of Lewis and Clark Expedition. Yeah? Well, his family is the Clarks. He is from that line, the direct line of the Clark family. And so every male in the family has a middle named Clark to continue to carry it on. And so that's what they pass to us. And we read a story in the Bible also uh, about an inheritance from the prodigal son. And he also received his inheritance that he demanded. And what did he do with it? He squandered it, right? He squandered it. He thought, hey, I have what's mine, and now I can do whatever I want. I can go wherever I want. I can do whatever I want. And we often think of an inheritance that way. It's time to, I have the ability now to do things my way, right? But he missed what was right in front of him in his own house. And, you know, I've done that in my life. I have missed what's in front of me. And one thing I've discovered is that favor follows wisdom. So if I had had wisdom about that inheritance, who knows where that $10,000 would have gone. Maybe I could have multiplied it or changed lives with it. It would have continued on in some form or manner. Um, But if you look back through the stories of the Bible, you can see that the men and women of God, when they used wisdom, favor followed them. You know, (laughs) it's just true. And so when we just looked at the practical working definition of inheritance. Inheritance really is just the practice of passing on like private property, titles, entitlements, privileges, rights. But let's look at some scriptures to get a picture of what you've inherited. So that's what we're going to talk about today. It says in Colossians three twenty three. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. Who wants a reward, right? I do. Anyone else? Like, wants to receive the rewards of Christ? Um, This word inheritance in Greek means shared participation. He's doing it with you. Because he is in you. What that means is you get all that Jesus has and all that he is. All of it. What what does Jesus have? What does he have? He has everything. But specifically, what does Jesus have? Healing? Joy? Joy? Love, resurrection power, freedom. That's right. Get super practical when you think about this for yourself. What does Jesus have? He's not withholding anything from you. If you are a believer in Christ, if you said yes to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have what he has. You're a participant, not a bystander, okay? Okay. They didn't have that in the Old Testament. Aren't you glad we were born at this time? <laughs> I'm, I am too. We see in Ephesians 1.18, this is the ESV version, having the eyes of your heart enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? This is the same meaning. You have the full participation of Christ. Christ in you. Saints means set apart ones, holy ones. So if you're a believer in Christ, you are set apart ones. You are holy ones. Participating in the riches in Christ. That's who he calls you. What do you call you? What do you call you? I know there are times I don't call myself that. <laughs> but that's how he sees us and that who, that's who he calls us. In the uh, message translation, it reads, um, here's Paul saying, I ask the God of our master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning and knowing him personally your eyes focused and clear so that you can see exactly what he is calling you to do and grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life he has for his followers. Oh, the utter extravagance of his work in us who trust him. Endless energy, boundless strength. That's an amazing promise. Colossians 1.12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. Who has qualified you? Your Bible reading? Going to church? Check, check, check. Prayer? Check, fast? Check? No. He has qualified you. Jesus Christ has qualified you. You are qualified to share with fellow believers in this rich inheritance and what we have in Christ. It's been allotted to you, given over to you. This is your portion. He is saying to you, holy ones, God's chosen, permission granted, you're qualified. You don't need to do anything to qualify yourself. Some of you really need to hear that today. Online, you are qualified. If you're watching online, you're qualified to share in that. And in Galatians 3:29, it says, and if you are in Christ, you then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. You might ask, what do these passages actually mean for me? Like, what is what does this all mean? What is our inheritance? Let me just give you a biblical definition of inheritance. It's a gift of God to his chosen people. Again, it's a shared participation. All that Jesus has, we possess right now on the earth. Not when we get to heaven, we get all the good stuff. We get to share in it right now. And that's what you've inherited, whether you know it or not, whether you acknowledge it or not, (laughs) Whether you use it or not, you possess what Jesus possesses. Titles, privileges, rights, obligations. That means you have authority over the enemy. That means that you have the power to say no to sin. That means that you have resurrection power. That means that you have all of heaven open to you. What does that even look like? All of heaven open to us. Do we, can we possibly even know, like, if we could just get a glimpse of what all of heaven open to us means? We, but we do, because that's, that's what the word says. We are actually even seated in the heavenly places. That's our position. Do we see ourselves seated in the right seat? I know you're sitting in a chair right now, but where do you see yourself seated? I think it's important. I think it's important in this time that we're living in to understand that, to really grasp that. You have all of heaven open to you. You have your Father's voice to guide you with all the saints. That's us, all the saints in His glorious church to build the church up. Now, one of the things handed to us as an inheritance is the church. You are a gift. Each one of you is a carrier of something that is valuable to the whole body collectively. And honestly, what the world is calling radical right now is just the church being biblical. (laughs) There's this tension happening right now. There's a cultural tension. And we've... I think historically have left a huge gap. Now, this is just an observation of what I've seen happen in the body of Christ. This isn't a description of the resting place or any specific church, but I'm just talking about the big C church, what I see. There's been a huge gap left, and there's this cultural conflict happening. And so as we step in with courage and take a stand, because... The gospel requires us to take a stand, right? Uh, I I can honestly say I, I want to be vulnerable and say it's not always easy for me to do that. It's easier to do it in here. You guys are family. But it's not as easy out there. And that's, I mean, honestly, it's <laughs> it's not easy. And I just want to acknowledge that. And so I feel like that's why maybe God's been speaking courage because I, there's nothing I can do. I need his courage in me to work in me the same way it did in the disciples did. I mean, they needed great courage, what they came against, right? You know? And so Jesus, who is head of the church, is the only one that can pierce darkness, overthrow an enemy. (laughs) No self-help is going to transform a person from the inside out. Is Buddha going to do it? No. Buddha is an idol. It's not the living God. It's Jesus is the only one that can transform you from the inside out. Believe me, I've tried every method possible known to man right here, tried them all, doesn't work. Uh, And one day I trusted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and my whole entire life changed. So I can stand here from experience and say, it's truly true. (laughs) Jesus is the only one that can transform you from the inside out because he is a living God. So when we go through these verses, I I want you to remember, Jesus is the church, and church is Jesus. You can't love Jesus and hate the church. I heard Caleb say that at our Wednesday Bible study. You can't say, I love Jesus, but I hate church. You know what they're probably saying, though, is I hate the abuse or I hate the systems that have been elevated above Jesus. Or "I, I hate what has happened that's not of God. I think that's what they're really saying, because honestly, if it was a whole healthy body of believers, maybe they wouldn't be saying that. And we've all been hurt at some point, I'm sure, because church is full of people. So let's look at the founding fathers of the church to get a picture. Paul, who's facing certain death, writes in to encourage Timothy to carry on the ministry and the protection of the gospel. This letter, in a sense, is Paul's last will and testament. The reason I mention this is because I said to the Lord, if this was my last sermon, if this was my last breath I was taking, by some chance, if y'all didn't see me tomorrow, um, What Lord, what would you want me to say to your church? And this is the message, the same message, I believe, uh, the same message and mission Paul had would be my message. Protect our inheritance, the gospel. Protect it. Stand for it. Take courage in it. Paul spends his last breath exhorting Timothy, passing on the mantle to carry it on. Guys, if they if they didn't do this, if he didn't do that, we wouldn't be sitting here. We wouldn't be in this room right now. So, it's important what you do with this. It's it's important. God places that much value on us. We're his plan. I don't know if you knew that or not. He doesn't have a plan B. We're his plan. We're his plan A, plan B, plan C, you know. <laughs> We're his plan. This is what he tells Timothy, and this is out of... Timothy, 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. But you need to be aware that in the final days, the culture of society will become extremely fierce and difficult for the people of God. People will be self-centered lovers of themselves and obsessed with money. They will boast of great things as they strut around in their arrogant pride and mock all that is right. They will ignore their own families. They will be ungrateful and ungodly. They will become addicted to hateful and malicious slander, slaves of their desires. They will be ferocious, belligerent haters of what is good and right. With brutal treachery, they will act without restraint, bigoted and wrapped in clouds of their own conceit. They will find their delight in the pleasures of this world more than the pleasures of loving God. They may pretend to have a respect for God, but in reality, they want nothing to do with God's power. Stay away from people like these. Another version you may have heard is having a form of godliness, but denying its power. He's saying these things to Timothy, not to exploit or disempower, but to rightly lead the church into power, and that requires great courage. It's not just people with the microphone. That's the church, right? (laughs) He goes on to tell Timothy in chapter 4, 1 through 5, Timothy, in the presence of our great God and our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who is destined to judge both the living and the dead by the revelation of his kingdom, I solemnly instruct you to proclaim the word of God and stand upon it no matter what, rise to the occasion and preach when it is convenient and when it is not. Preach in the full expression of the Holy Spirit with wisdom and patience as you instruct and teach the people. I'm going to pause here. God may not be calling you to preach the word of God, but what about those moments when you're with your friends and they are gossiping or they're out getting drunk and they're uh, uh, abusing you know drugs and alcohol or you're in a situation where you get to make a choice that is standing up for the gospel that is standing up for Jesus when you're in those pressure points and I want to say to you this morning if you've been in that pressure point and you didn't make a good choice you can today you can today You can stand today because either the Bible is true or it's all a lie. And my Bible says that you have resurrection power. You have power over the enemy. You have power over sin. That's what the word says. But it's not in your own strength. That's the key, guys. It's not in your own strength. If I was in that situation that I can think about years ago I didn't know the Lord, but if I had known the Lord, I wonder what would have happened if I would have said, Jesus, I need your help, if he would have given me a way out of that situation. I believe in those key moments, or maybe you're doing your taxes, and you hear this little voice, oh, you can just, you know, get a little bit more taxes back if you just, like, tweak this or tweak that, you know, <laughs> right? Um that's not standing up for, for Jesus. It's, I'm just trying to make it super practical and not just ethereal, ethereal and just like, you know, just super practical in your life. How can you stand? Again, you may not be called to preach. Maybe you will be called to preach the gospel. Maybe someone in your circle of friends needs to hear the gospel. Like, I had a circle of friends that I found out years later they were Christians and they never shared the gospel with me when I was young, like in my teens. I was shocked. I was like, wow, that would have been really cool to kind of hear the gospel. Then I could have made a choice, right? And so maybe they were afraid. Maybe they didn't have the courage. But I just really feel the Lord saying to us, Take his courage. (laughs) Stand for the gospel. He continues on, For the time is coming when they will no longer listen and respond to the healing words of the truth because they will become selfish and proud. They will seek out teachers with soothing words that line up with their desires, saying just what they want to hear. They will close their ears to the truth and believe nothing but fables and myths. Do you know any fables and myths that's being preached right now? It's not the gospel. So be alert to all these things and overcome every form of evil. I want to ask you, if this sentence is exhorting Timothy and instructing Timothy to overcome every form of evil, do you think that he has the ability to overcome every form of evil? <laughs> yes. So I want to say to you, you have the ability to overcome every form of evil. Maybe you're not recognizing the every form. It's worth asking the Lord, what is the form of evil that's coming for me? Be alert. This requires great courage. So he says to him, carry in your heart the passion of your calling as a church planter and evangelist and fulfill your ministry calling. So the founding fathers, such as Paul and Timothy, left us an inheritance. So what did they fight for? What was worth dying for? Let's look at Stephen and Acts. Members of the synagogue plotted against Stephen by having men make accusations about him that weren't true. The plot is beginning. Behind the scenes, all this is going on is they're trying to advance the gospel. They were saying he was talking against Moses and God. They stirred up the people. Have you ever been in a situation where there was gossip going on and it stirred everything up? That's what happens. You start gossiping and the atmosphere gets stirred. Why? Because he was performing, Stephen was performing miracles and signs. They were with Stephen. And when they tried to stand up against him, they couldn't stand up against the wisdom of God. Let me repeat that. They could not stand up against the wisdom of God. Are you following the wisdom of God? Nothing can stand up against the wisdom of God in your life. That's what was on Stephen, and they could not come against it, so they plotted. They went as far as to produce false witnesses. And they were saying things like, This fellow never stops speaking about the holy place and against the law. For we've heard him say that Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the custom of, of the customs of Moses handed down to us. Stephen gives a speech to answer their question when they asked. Him. Stephen, is this true? And at the end of the speech, he says, Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things? Does that sound familiar? That's a psalm. He is reciting a psalm. He didn't answer the question, really. He recited the word of the Lord, the word of God. This, then he ends his speech with this. You stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one, and now you have betrayed and murdered him. You who received the law that was given through the angels but have not obeyed it. And this is what happened next. There were gnashing of teeth. Have you ever been around someone so angry they're, like, gnashing their teeth? That's, like, serious. Like this, I'm just trying to set the scene up for you like a movie. When I read scriptures, I, I, I like, I'm like I'm watching a movie. It's, I, I can see the, their anger rising up. Stephen, though, full of the Holy Spirit, so all this is happening, the plot's happening, they're lying, there's false accusations, and now they get the crowd involved, and now there was this anger rising up, but here's Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, was actually seeing heaven open up, and Jesus, at the right hand of God, and he says, he says out loud, look, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And this is their response. This is just unbelievable to me. They covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices. They all rushed in at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul And while they were stoning them, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. This was the last thing Stephen said. These were his last words. Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Wow. And Saul approved of their killing. Saul of Tarsus, also known as Paul, the apostle of Jesus, (laughs) who wrote 13 books of the New Testament. These brave men and women fought for our freedom to know the gospel and to shape church and culture. So, I'm going to run through these quickly. Signs to look for. A form of godliness, but denying its power. And these are not accusations. They are observations. I've done everything on this list, so we can repent at any time. (laughs) Uh, Minimize church to a weekend activity. Mocking the church, slandering the church. Become irrelevant. No longer see the need to gather with the saints And I just want to say, when someone is missing from the church, we're missing a piece of God's heart for the church. And I cannot represent God's heart as you. Only you can represent God's heart as you, the way that he created you to represent God's heart. How um, has your past pain caused by people in church determined your value of church? I recognize that most people have been hurt in church, I'm aware of it, and I have too, but I also decided to be part of the solution. So to that, I have created a value and a standard for myself as a leader to fight for healthy um, culture, to remain humble, to own my mistakes. Um, Just because we're inside of a church doesn't mean nobody's gonna get hurt. I believe that's unrealistic. Um, A safe place means that when we get hurt, there's room for us to work it out, to deal with our hurts in a way that restores the relationship, and that does take humility. Um, We've decided as a society we just don't need to go to church. This has been happening long before COVID, and COVID's just kind of reinforced and given validation not to come. That's a form of, I, I believe that because I believe that Jesus is the church. Church is Jesus. So to deny that, it's, it's denying power. Um, and this is, again, this is not, I'm, this is just an observation. This is not saying you are doing this. Bad things happen in church, therefore church is bad. That that is happening. The know-it-alls will always oppose corporate church. Um, some people treat church like it's a menu or picking a restaurant or real estate. I've done that, <laughs> but that's not that's not how we should look at it. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm standing here for for us to go from what Western culture have decided church is to understanding what the Bible is speaking about and what our inheritance is, the church belongs to us as believers. Saying one thing with your lips, but living a totally opposite way. Uh, The culture of society has been shaping church instead of church, shaping society, and look where society is. So if we're going to be... The church that was intended, we've got to take ownership of maybe the ways we've devalued it and I know I have. This is our inheritance. We are in this generation at this time in history and how are you going to leave it for the next generation, for our sons and daughters? Something to think about. People who have heard us, <laughs> Or that we don't like. We're going to be spending eternity with them. (laughs) In heaven, we're going to be all together in eternity. We've got to learn how to reconcile. If another person refuses, we get to choose to reconcile our hearts to God. And not doing so, I believe, is denying God's power. Because his power gives us the ability to reconcile. And commands us to forgive one another it doesn't mean we allow abuse or anything like that I'm not saying that by any means but the forgiveness sets us free it's not about them is everyone doing okay okay I can't gauge by your faces so I just want to make sure okay a way forward I'm going to read a verse that this is a way forward so Usually when this happens in gatherings I'm like gonna fall asleep or something and tune out. So what I want to try to do is encourage you if that's if you're like me to engage with the scripture, maybe close your eyes, maybe try to remove distractions, but I'm going to just read through real quick Ephesians 1:18 through 23 cuz I believe this is the way forward. I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling. That is the wealth of God's glorious inheritances that he finds in us, his holy ones. I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith, then your lives will be an advertisement of this immense power as it works through you. This is the mighty power that was released when God raised Christ from the dead and exalted him to the place of the highest honor and supreme authority in the heavenly realm. And now he is exalted as first above every ruler every authority, every government, every realm of power in existence. He is the glorious enthroned over every name that is ever praised, not only in this age, but ages that is coming. He alone is the leader and the source of everything needed in the church. This was written to the Ephesians but it is meant for all churches. This manuscript is for us all. So we can even say, to the Resting Place Church, may your eyes be illuminated. What if we actually believed that we had power? We love those Marvel movies. (laughs) What if we read the Bible and believed the power he said we have? Come on. It's time to slay. It's time for the church to own their inheritance. It's time to shape society and culture. It's time to take our place in history. Guys, people need to know the power of Jesus. They need to know. So if you don't know it yourself, how are others going to know? The power to heal. The power to reconcile. The power to bring freedom. It's time for great courage. What will you do? My last question to you. What will you do with your inheritance? Will you leave here today believing you have the power he says you have and with the understanding of your inheritance you actually have? Because God is looking for agreement. His value is relationship, but his methodology is partnership. He can't make you partner with him, and I can't make you believe this. What will you do with your inheritance if you'll stand with me? if the prayer team can come up, if you're ready to just receive his courage today to stand, I'm just going to ask you to just open your hands. I'm going to pray a prayer. There's nothing magical about this prayer. This is all Jesus's plan. This is what he wants. This is what he desires that you would know who you are. He would that you would know the power that you have and that you would take courage to stand for that. Father, I just thank you. Today, I, we receive your courage. We receive the courage from on high to know the gospel, to stand for the gospel in those moments where we need it the most. Jesus, would you come right now? Would you come right now and pour your courage on your sons and daughters Those who are watching online, would you pour out courage on each one that in those moments that you are so real to them that they know that you are showing up in a mighty way that that cannot be explained. We cannot do this on our own. We recognize that it's not our own power. It's your power. We receive your power today, right now, in the name of Jesus to be the church that you called us to be, not just in here. On Sunday, but every day when we're at work, when we're at home, God, give us the courage to stand for righteousness, to stand for the gospel, to stand what you stand for, and to know that we have everything that you have. You've given us everything that you have. So, God, I thank you. I thank you that you made a way for us to have what you have. You did not leave anybody out, you made a way for every single person. So if you don't even know, if you're in this room or watching online and you don't know Jesus, we want to partner with you. You can make a comment, and we'll have someone reach out to you if you're here in the room. I want you to go to one of our prayer partners. And if you need healing in your body, if you need agreement with anything it says in the word where two or more are gathered it shall be done in my name let's partner together don't leave here with a burden don't leave here with a question don't just leave here like yeah I went to church no just even if you I'm just asking you to be vulnerable even if you're here and you're like I don't even know what I'm doing here God <laughs> you know, I need help with my walk just come forward and we'll pray with you Father, we just thank you. I just bless your name. I bless your word. I pray it pierces our hearts, and it has planted seeds today. In Jesus' name, I pray. Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place, Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.